It's easy to get lost. This is The Revenue Maze, and I'm Valerie Cobb. Join me as we navigate the halls, dead ends, and U-turns on your path towards upward growth trajectory. The Revenue Maze is sponsored by Revenue North Star, guidance and execution through fractional revenue leadership, uncovering hidden revenues, and empowering small business growth through process-driven sales customized to your company environment. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Revenue Maze. I am so, actually, I'm super excited about having this guest. She's just amazing human. I, I just love her dearly. She is all things purple. We're just gonna we're just gonna throw that out there, and you will see that she has a a wonderful purple comfy couch out there as well. <laughs> and um, she is everything marketing extraordinaire. She's written books. <laughs> she has written. Um, she uh, writes content. She helps us gather our thoughts. She's an international speaker. I mean, that's so many amazing things, but she is also the founder and CMO of Omicle. Welcome, Melanie Asher. Thank you, Valerie. It's, <laughs> I am beyond excited to be here. I watch your show all the time and <laughs> very excited it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad you watch it. That's great. They all, they all, I love it. I love hearing stuff like that. And I love having the show be very humanizing. Um, we don't script anything. We just kind of go, here's here's the cadence. Here we go. Right. Yes. But before we get into all the amazing stuff that you do, Mel, I, we always answer the same question. What is one thing that you can tell listeners or viewers that they can do to help themselves get out of the revenue maze? Be crystal clear on your messaging. And it is not from your perspective. It is from your client's perspective and your perspective clients. We have a tendency to be the experts, which don't get me wrong, we are the experts. <laughs> we need to be the experts in order to have a thriving business. But your clients hire you because they are not an expert. So take that expertise that you have and put it in common everyday language so they can instantly connect with it instantly relate to it and say, I need to hire you now. Wow. <laughs> now, if anybody hasn't been witness to when Mel does this <laughs> with her, with her clients, it's, it's a gift. It's a gift because I'm a hero in my own mind most of the time. So I think I'm being super clear. Right. And, <laughs> and then it comes back and it's like, oh, duh. In four words, <laughs> you know, four words. I'm the most wordy person on the planet. Four words, right? <laughs> exactly. You, you you do this. So give, all right, take us through a little bit of a moment on how you help people achieve this, because that's one of the things that is so difficult, especially for founders and owners of businesses. Mm -hmm. They just think that vicariously people are going to get it, yes. right? And they also fall into the trap of there is such a need for this, they have to understand. Yes. <laughs> and what they don't realize is we are inundated with anywhere from 30 to 90,000 messages every day. 
Yeah, wrap that digital deluge. <laughs> yeah. So of those, let's go with the low end of that, the 30,000. If mm -hmm. you're being inundated with 30,000 different messages every day, how or why should your one message stand out? That's interesting because I, you know... I've been preaching digital deluge, but now you just put like a big brick on my shoulders. When you said 30,000, it's like, I don't have the capacity to read 30,000 messages, right? Exactly. Well, factor in every email that you receive during the day. Every time you log into any social media platform and you just simply scroll your newsfeed, each of those is a different message. I didn't say you read them. I said you scrolled through them and just scanning them. Then we have when you're driving around, then we have your notifications. Then if you watch any version of TV and see commercials or product placement in the shows that you're watching, all of these add up. Oh, and don't forget the different products that you have sitting on your desk or sitting around your house. This yeah. all adds up. So why would someone remember your message? You know, in companies that I work with, a lot of times it's a very complex sale. And because they are educating the public on even needing it, right? That's that's what makes it complex. A lot of people's like, oh no, it's because there's 250 touch points all the way to to purchasing, to whatever sales enablement, we all shout sales enablement, right? And I honestly, it is more because to me, if they don't, if you're on that front of that curve, you know, you're a brand new product or you're maybe you're a resurrection and now you're on the front of the curve again, right? Okay. But either way, you're on that front of that curve. How... I guess I would tell people, how do you go back in time before Uber and Lyft and describe what that is in four words? Describe what they were going to offer in four words, right? Yep. Because it's not really a taxi, but it kind of is. And, and we it's all not have a limo tons. service, but it kind of is. Yeah. And it's not a ride share, but it kind of is. Yeah. They've added food into it. And so you bring up a very valid point. Most branding activities or messaging exercises that leaders go through, it tells them that result up front. Give me four words. And I'm and that's the first thing I say is I don't care how many words. Okay. That's I want useful. It conversational. <laughs> I want so it tell us. I want it conversational that it just flows out of your mouth that you don't have to think about it. Because if you have to think about it, then you're focusing on the number of words and not the value. So a message, something that you and I have talked about before, and I know you've had on your show before, is the conversation around making it easy to do business with you. Oh, yeah, that was Catherine Brown. And you, and, yeah. And that's, and that's where this comes into play. You're the expert. That doesn't mean you need to brag about being the expert. That means you can demonstrate you're the expert by simplifying the value that you offer so somebody doesn't have to think about it. They can just, yeah. oh, 
you get me. You, you're in my head. How did you know I'm struggling with that? And when you get to that point, it's like, oh, you've eased my fears. You've shown me it's possible. And by the way, I can have be set up in, in an hour. That's amazing. I didn't think this was possible. <laughs> and then we don't leave it there. We don't leave it in just a tagline. Like we're so often in terms of thinking. Yeah. You no, know, I call this a wow statement. Whenever yeah. we come up with whatever that phrase is, we then weave it into everything that we do. We weave it into our blog posts. We weave it into our podcasts, our sales messaging. We weave it into our general conversation. Yeah. So for example, my wow statement is be ready to scale. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Everything that I put out there is about being ready, meaning the mindset or the preparation and the ability to execute scaling your business. Yeah, absolutely everything. And you'll see that in blog posts, in interviews, I will make references to mindset, scaling your business, how to bring the two together and how to generate results. Yeah. And I do see that in your tagline and it is so simple, but I'm sure it wasn't that easy to come up no, with like, no, I was no. going to say, cause I'm still messing my, my, my mission or vision, depending if you're a Jim Collins or a great game of business, whichever one you want, <laughs> you know, I don't know. it's the whole, you can't see the forest from the trees. Yeah. It's your business. You're attached to it. So for you to be able to do it, it can be excruciating and it can take a hundred times longer than when you yeah. bring somebody in who can ask questions and help you get out of your own head. And then say, oh, yeah. well, what I'm hearing is this. And then you see the light bulbs go on. In all honesty, for me to come up with be ready to scale, mm -hmm. I've been in business 20 years and I just started using this a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. But when I work <laughs> with clients, you know, it can happen as quick as 15 minutes or it can be a six month process depending <laughs> on how the client works and how much testing and tweaking needs to be done. And that's the other thing is I don't come in and say, I'm the expert. I know better than you and I know better than your clients. I say, no, here's what I'm hearing. Here's what tests well from an SEO perspective and from a market research perspective and also a little bit of a trademark research. Let's test it with your sales process. Let's test it with prospective clients and see what feedback comes back. Sometimes yeah. we're dead on. And other times it's like, eh, let's do a little bit of tweaking here, a little bit of tweaking there, and boom, then we have it. And then yeah. that's what we proceed with. You know, I love that you also mentioned that you <laughs> it, only a year and a half ago. I think times do change and sometimes the way that people think changes. And so we have to update that sort of thing. But you also brought up a critical point. I got my vision finally only like a year and a half ago as well. Everybody was like, what's your why? Shouting out Simon Sinek, what's his why? What's your why? And, and that's been around forever, right? We always say that, but what is your why? 
And it was at a Vistage meeting and it was the Vistage chair. And she goes, I am, um, she said, it's God, family and business. And, and we kind of all were like this. I don't get it, you know? And she said, because business, I'll never forget it because business can change lives faster than government can. And I said, I'm adopting that because that makes sense. That's why I'm in business is to help small businesses succeed, yes. literally succeed. Right. Yes. And, and, and because that's why they I'm do, in it too. Yeah. They pay it forward. Right. Mm -hmm. They employ people who then it grows and it gets more people and it grows and cultures are created and they can do it so much faster than the stalemates that you have in government. Right. And uh, so as I started to think that through, it was kind of like when you said what your be ready to scale, right. You know, it's just easy. Right. I mean, you said, sorry, that's okay. No, you My didn't brain just up. went totally blank. <laughs> Anyways, but the gist is, you know, you're prepping them to get to that scale point, right? And and yeah. that it won't fail because most a lot of them fail in scale, right? Yeah. That's where they yeah. you can't you you have a founder who's the hero in his own mind who can go out and sell and tell anybody about what he's doing yeah. and they buy into the vision because he's so passionate and everything and then it's like, okay, now we got to scale. I've got to hire salespeople. I've got to, or go e-commerce or whatever they're doing. Right. Yep. So now everybody has to catch my vision and I don't know how to repeat that mm -hmm. so that they do. Right. And that's what you're saying. Yep. And Get then them so to build off of what you were just talking about, that whole why element, mm -hmm. I know a lot of, I know a lot of founders really resonate with the, what is your why? What is your why? And when it, this is the difference between a founder as a person mm -hmm. and a founder in a business. Oh, yeah. Your why may be what drives you personally. Okay. When it comes to the business, your clients and prospective clients are not invested in why you do what you do. They're invested in what you do changes, helps, or does solve some problem for them. Yes. So, so I love harness it. your why and then frame it in a way that they can connect with. When they connect okay. with it, then they care about your why. Until then, nobody cares. And that's the reality. And the difference between you and I having a personal conversation mm -hmm. versus being a part of the executive team, trying to figure out how to better connect with our audience, generate more sales, grow our business, and take us to the next level, whether it be acquisition, buyout, um, launch a new product or division. It's a different mindset. And being yeah. able to wrap your head around that and frame it in a way that your market receives it as if it's their idea is completely different. Yeah, that's, that's the interesting, um, that's a very interesting concept. And you said it so succinctly, 
right? That, that, that is very, I mean, you took it from A to B to C to the group to all of that. I, I remember my roots working out of college Nordstrom and the customer was all always right. And recently there's been a little bit of this young entrepreneurial stuff that the, the employees are always right. And then the customer is happy. And I, I couldn't wrap my head completely around that sentiment. I think it's a three-legged stool. I think they all need to be happy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying employees shouldn't be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything that Nordstrom did was centered on that customer, right? Mm-hmm. Solving some kind of challenge. Now we, we go, well, okay, it's clothing. They're not solving the world's challenges, you know, but they were oh, no, solving the way people- loyal, uh, Nordstrom client, they, they will tell you <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> yeah. But well, and that's the thing. I remember one time with that methodology and I had a hot second of sales training with those guys. Right. And okay. I, I had women who had come into the department when I had my daughter, they handmade a blanket for me. Oh, wow. Um, I had another one that had, you know, they all came in and gave me gifts and it was like, these were customers, right? Yep. And they were very loyal to Nordstrom, not because I'm so wonderful, don't get me wrong, but it was the methodology. It was the fact that the customer was always right. So when you were talking to them, you had that mindset of not necessarily, we all hear the horror stories. Well, they took a tire in and returned it, you know, that kind of stuff, but just, just the fact that it was the focus to make people feel good when they were in that store. Right. And, and I mean, we, we deal in the society right now with health and wellness and all of those things and those connections. And, and so it totally, it totally makes sense when you're saying, okay, you're solving that problem because even, even when, you know, you were quoting off of Catherine Brown and, you know, how good humans sell a lot of times sales teams get that sort of head trashy stuff. Like I'm not making a difference. I'm not doing good in the world, or I'm not making it easy for you to buy because I don't think we're good. You know what I mean? They kind of do that. Right. And, um, and so it's kind of like, if you're not solving those challenges, I mean, products come up because you saw a gap somewhere, something was wrong. You know, some of them, it, I used the example of I wish somebody, and this is, this is probably from my product dev days, but I was actually trying to get a rep out of his head, his head trash. I'm like, if I, at my age, if somebody would do like a, a lotion stop where you could mix all your lotions in one thing. So in the morning, you could just lotion yourself with one instead of 12, because I'm older, right? We all talk about <laughs> with it would save me. I think we put down 365 days a year times three different applications. It was saving me like two minutes a day and two minutes a day times 365, you know, that's time that I could have been doing something else. And, you know, so we, we were kind of using that as the analogy. And I thought that's a, that's kind of an example of a gap, something that bothered me enough to go, okay, I don't really like this. 
I don't like putting on seven pounds. I'm not 16, right? I, I have, you know, it's like all this yeah. stuff and every, anyway, so you're kind of saying that that's, yeah, you're, you're kind of saying that you, uh, I, now I forget your exact wording, but you had, you used something to the uh, effect of make somebody feel. And that's mm -hmm. a lot of what marketing sales and client experience is, is creating the perception and the feeling that everyone involved is winning. Yeah. It's not about taking advantage. It's not about manipulation. It's about creating an environment where you have a win, win, win situation. The situation wins and each party wins. Yes. Yeah. And when you create that, you have a different dynamic. You have a different relationship. Companies and founders love to talk about referrals and word of mouth and, and everything like that as if that's the only way to have to make it happen. It's like, well, if you want that as your result, how do we create the environment for that to be repeatable and consistent? Repeatable and consistent. That is the difficult part. Those are two easy words. Yes, they <laughs> are say very that. easy words. <laughs> and, and it's a, it it requires being intentional and yeah. going from selling the dream to knowing exactly what you're selling. Yeah. Having that clear messaging, having that clear experience. If in working with your client, you discover that there's a pain point that always surfaces and uh, where a client gets frustrated, they don't get mad. They don't necessarily leave you, but there's a point of tension. It's yeah. like, okay, what's causing this and what is, what can we do to improve their experiences and make us more efficient. Yeah. It's both. And it's not always one side or the other. It's what can we do to improve it for both? You just made me, something <laughs> came into my head when you said yes. And, you know, or both, it has to be both. <laughs> we'll talk offline. It was an operational, it was operations, you know, how revenue and operations. all Yes. <laughs> That, that's, you mean it I, has to be both? <laughs> yes, it does. It has to be both. And we can, I, I, I wholeheartedly love automation. I openly admit it. There's a time and a place for automation yeah. and a way to do it. And there's a time and a place for personal connection. Yes. <laughs> and, and sometimes automation is good and improves the personal. Yeah. And sometimes it has to be personal. Yeah. And yeah. it's in identifying what has to be personal versus what can be automated. Just because you can automate something doesn't mean it, it should be automated. <laughs> but again, going back to what are your goals? Are yeah. your goals just to turn people, your clients in and out? If that's the case, then automate from now till the end of time. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if relationships 
and word of mouth and uh, extending your client lifetime value are of a priority to you, then we're going to be having a different conversation. And we're going to be looking at different metrics and different ways of accomplishing your goals. That That's very thought provoking. First of all, X-Files episode. We'll talk after this show because <laughs> we're going to talk. I, I have to, I just have to laugh about automating everything and, you know, a smart house oh, yeah. <laughs> shutting everything down because you didn't do something, but yes, no. Uh, so there's a lot going around like mental health, right? Yeah. Especially through COVID. This was, this was one of the things that all of a sudden people kind of went, yeah, it's, I want to work from anywhere, but I need that human connection. So we end up with that sort of weird spot. And right before, let's see, people are screaming recession right now, right? And um, whether that's true or not, honestly, the markers, I'm not going to get into that either. Yeah. But one thing that has really been very interesting to me is Back in 2008, when the recession before, right, the last recession, um, there was the whole uprising of digital and all of this stuff that was happening during this time. There was a lot of things going on, right? And and then there was the death of the salesman. And no, not the play, but just death of a salesman, right? There's not going to be any sales humans anymore. We're going to if everything's going to be digital, everything, you know, it's going to take the place of somebody talking to you. And you mentioned 30,000 messagings, different types of messages a day, right? Yep. And all of a sudden you see an uprise of obviously automation to help with that. We've talked about capacity. We need that, right? Oh. But the human element that came right back full circle is like, well, oh, crud. I got to talk to somebody. I got to figure this out. They got to help me on this journey. So when you go back to your clear messaging, it has to be also credible. Yes. Right. I, I would think. Credible and relevant. Credible and relevant. Okay. Um, founders and a lot of marketing professionals that I, I disagree with this approach. It's about creating a sexy tagline. No, and, it's yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's great, but what does that do for you? You know, a, a common one that I love to reference is do you remember the the Taco Bell dog? Yes, unfortunately, yes. That's an entire generation that has been defined by this Taco Bell dog. Was it creative? Yes. Was it kitschy? Yes. Was it memorable? Yes. Did it define a generation? Yes. <laughs> Did it generate revenue? No. No. <laughs> Did it increase sales? No. Did it lose sales? Yes. Really? I didn't know that. I, I yes. got to see this use case. I'm excited. <laughs> that is why they got rid of her. I think her name was Gidget. Oh. Um, was because it actually was causing a loss of sales, even oh. though from a cultural perspective... Everyone was talking about the Taco Bell dog. Yeah. They knew and the that, name. You got the brand out. <laughs> yeah, you got the name out. You got the brand out, but it wasn't driving conversion. It wasn't leading to sales. 
Wendy's has also had similar problems over the years. And a lot of companies do this. They focus on that going viral for a minute and mm. not realizing that it's a hot minute. Guess it's what? It's a hot minute. Yeah. The next day are 30,000 new messages and you're yesterday's news. Yeah. So do you want to go viral today, be forgotten tomorrow? Or do you want to build a brand that is sustainable and scalable and relevant today, tomorrow, and in the future? Yeah. It's a different mindset. It's a different approach. Again, we ask different questions and we take a different approach. Yeah. Well, man, there's so many thoughts that come up and Mel, you and I can talk for hours. So I know (laughs) we're really good at that. I'm like, okay, we got to stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's what you're saying is, is just so, so timely. Really. It is so timely because I think it just kind of helps us take a step back because we hear words like be clear or give clarity, you know, Mm -hmm. but really talking about the simplicity, the difficulty of the simplicity. Yes. Right. (laughs) That's yes. It's like, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I experience it in my own life and I feel like, um, in my own company, in my own things that I'm doing, um, I laughed. I went at one point, I was working with a heavy equipment manufacturer and I come from healthcare and everything in healthcare is acronyms and so many, so many terms, you know, and it's, it's like speaking Greek to half of the world, no offense, no, not Greek, Greek, but like, you know, in the United States, like you can't, no one's understanding this. Right. And, um, and so I, I personally struggle with that. I struggle with just keeping that very simple. This is what I do. People will say to me, what is it that you do? And I go, well, I'm a fractional CRO and I own a company of fractionals CROs that I place. Right. Yep. And they go, what the heck is that? And it's like, Hmm, how do I explain this to people <laughs> you know, in really simple terms? Cause to me, it, it is context in some cases and in mm-hmm. other cases, um, I, I still haven't gotten it right. So you and I will have to talk about that a- afterwards. I as actually well, have a, but... an article that explains what is fractional. And yeah. I love the term because I actually think it's more accurate than some of the traditional terms of interim or yep. um, on demand. And then there's also virtual thanks to COVID, but that one seems to be going away. Good. Yeah. It was very cheesy, but hey, whatever. Uh, but I, I'm very simple about it. And I say, you know, you know how companies have chief marketing officers, the answer is mm-hmm. always yes. And then I say, I give them executive level expertise on a part-time basis. That and is a very fraction of the cost at a fraction of the cost. And I have done that as well. What a lot of them don't know is so marketing has been fractional for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, bookkeepers have been fractional for a long time, right? Yep. I mean, we outsource all the time. CFOs um, were the first to go fractional. Which ones? CFOs. Yeah, CFOs have been fractional for a long time. 
I, the, the thing that when I say chief revenue officer, tech industry usually gets it right. Mm-hmm. Um, manufacturing gets it confused with like chief sales officer gets it confused with, uh, VP of sales. And it's yep. like, yeah, anything driving revenue is touched upon. Right. And I'm like, that's how I try to explain it simply. And then they're kind of like, huh. You know, so I feel like I'm on this uphill edge front of the curve because there's not a bunch of the CROs out there that are doing it on a fractional basis, but you do, you explain it so simply, you know, and And well, with your case, I love the term because it's more accurate to how you work. Yeah. And so I think the, the challenge is actually that it's a newer term. Mm-hmm. not necessarily a newer approach, although I think yeah. it is because it redefines it. Uh, with revenue, like you just said, it's about all of the touch points that generate revenue, Yeah, which includes marketing, it includes sales, it includes the client experience. And if we want to go old school business school terminology, that is a go-to market framework. Yeah. It, it really is a go-to-market yeah. framework. And most of them need to redefine that go-to-market framework the first time I get in there. You know, I go through yes. the five, Tam Tam Sum, five years financials, work backwards, build org charts around who, yep. when, where, what, that strategy position. I think what they also get us all confused with, and you're a fractional as well, you know, you're a fractional okay. CMO. I think what they get us all confused with is consultants. Yes. That's where I think that the, the also kind of the light bulb doesn't go off. It's kind of like, well, how could you do that on a fractional basis? Once they understand, right. On a fractional, how could you do that? And, um, so how have you gotten past some of that? Cause to me, that's, that's the point. That's one of the hardest things. Cause you just took us, the listeners, through this great exercise of clarifying their message, right? And and whether they know it or not, you actually took them step by step, put them back, you know, and and some of the stuff that you do on a regular basis at Omicle. But how did you get, how do you get so that they understand the difference between a consultant and what you're doing? So that's a great question. And generally I haven't, had that question per se, Mm. because in my description, I say, I use it to, to say, I embed myself with your team. I am a part of your team. So Mm -hmm. even though I'm not an FTE, I think I function, I act, I engage as if I am. Yeah. And by having that conversation up front, their mind doesn't even go down the consultant route. It's wait a minute. I can (laughs) have a CMO and not pay a CMO rate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then they get excited because they are on the potential path and the solving their problem path, as opposed to the technicalities. Yeah. The technicalities come in after we've achieved that 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 high state of you can solve my problems you can help me 
Yeah. Then it's okay. We sign the contract. We pay the bill. Yeah. (laughs) Have to pay the government taxes because I do that through my business. Yeah. 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 And and that's a technicality. I also have a a link to a calculator that compares a to technically a consultant rate to a full time employee rate. Oh wow, that's nice. So in the rare case that they still don't get it I will send them this and say look you can put in any number you want here's the average range of what a full-time CEO or CMO is going to get paid versus this is what you're paying me and you're not paying benefits you're not paying any other perks you're yeah. not paying vacation time or anything else. Oh yeah. And, and then you're embedded. You're, yep. you're not, you're not a consultant that one and done and leaves. You're actually the, yep. you're, you, they call you up they get ideas. You're, you're on yep. the meetings. I, I you know, I, people sometimes don't even realize it's like with government payroll and everything, it's 30% off the top. Yep. Right. That you're saving them with it. Right. So, I mean, obviously in that realm, we have to cover ourselves, but regardless, the 30% is not on them. And so those are all really fantastic stuff. And we've talked about semantics and all this kind of great stuff. It's kind of been a very clarifying podcast (laughs) for me personally. Um, I'm a Coleman. I know. (laughs) It always is. I love all the guests because they teach me so much. Um, One thing that I would, I I think listeners, and I love this too, we like to know more just about the Mel. What does she do in her free time? What would she give advice to her younger self? Those kinds of things. Not not so business oriented, but like, Mm. you know, I'm sure with purple, you do all sorts of exciting (laughs) things. (laughs) Yes, purple is prevalent throughout my life, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of we'll talk about hairdos later. Element. <laughs> Both personally and professionally, there's purple somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> we can have stories on that one too, but that's for another day. Okay. Uh, lately, I've been loving books from Africa. Really? And African culture, no idea why, like, uh, like fiction books. So I think I've read, I think like five in the last three months. Um, they're amazing. Correction. I've listened to them, not read them. And I love the accents as well. (laughs) I love to cook. I, anything I make in the kitchen is an experiment or a concoction recipes (laughs) or guides at best. (laughs) Following rules has always been a slight challenge for me. (laughs) Clarity, but following rules. No, (laughs) No, I'll set the rules and I'll make sure others follow them. (laughs) But when I'm told a rule, my very first question is going to be, why? (laughs) I don't like that rule. Show me why it's important. And then I'll choose if we're going to follow it or not. (laughs) I think I know several people who just the color purple is their purple and they do the same thing. So it must be, must be associated with the. uh... We can go into the science of purple if you like. (laughs) There is an actual science for it. 
I happen to say, you know, the Phoenician purple, the royalty, all the stuff behind it. I, 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 yeah, I love all the gem tones, period. I'm not really stuck on one, but yeah, I love that. Yeah, I could see how you don't really love to follow the rules, but you will create them. <laughs> I love to go on hikes. And lately I've been doing a lot of painting right now. My living room is lined with different paintings in different phases of completion. Oh, wow. So, I didn't know you painted. Yes, I knew I, you were very artistic, but I didn't know that you that it was paintings because you talked about writing books and mm -hmm. all these other amazing things. I kind of so. take I wouldn't say I'm an artist. I kind of turn my surroundings into my palette and oh. then however that is expressed, whether it be through traditional art or um, something as simple as my desk is made of um, live edge wood mm -hmm. so it in itself is a piece of art and then I make you know for me that's how it is everything is how can I make it prettier how can I make it its own piece yeah so, that's pretty cool that is very cool so a lot of the um one last parting advice from your older, wiser self to your younger, wiser self? Hmm. Spend less time. I don't know the exact wording, so let me ramble for a moment here. <laughs> not be clear at first, but I'll eventually get to the point of clarity. Uh, okay. Spend less time worrying about what other people think hmm. and trying to please them. Trust your gut more and just move forward take that one step i had a a mentor years ago who and i'm drawing a blank on what the trail is but it's someplace international and goes on forever and ever and ever and it's like a a bucket item for some people i'd have to look up what the trail is uh-huh and the moral of his story because he went and did this after he was divorced from so many years of marriage and he just needed to find himself so he just went and walked and walked and walked no shower no <laughs> I think he stayed in a hotel like once a month to shower or whatever <laughs> and uh he goes you can always take one more step mm. and that has stayed with me no matter what my day is, no matter what's going on in my life, I just can take one step. I don't have to solve the world's problems today. I don't have to solve all of my problems today. I just need to take one step forward. That's it. I love that. Now I feel all inspired. <laughs> I'm going to go take my one step today. <laughs> I love it. No, that that's great. Uh, I think especially um, it's very timely for a lot of people, but I also feel that sometimes women do that to themselves, you yes. know, early on. Okay. I, I can't speak for men because I'm not one, but you know, I just think for women, we tend to do that. And um, I think that that's just kind of a rock star way to think about things. So thank you for sharing that with us. And 
a lot of people will want to help with clarity in their messaging, all of this stuff to meet the wonderful Mel. Um, tell me, tell them one place, what's the best place to get a hold of you? Best place to get a hold of me is connect with me on LinkedIn and make sure you mention Valerie's podcast. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good segue into thank everybody for listening or watching. And if you like it, love it, comment and tell us how you like it and tell Mel how you liked it because that's that's wonderful. And uh, just thanks everybody for listening. And thank you so much again, Mel. It has been so fun. Thank you. Thank you all for joining another great episode. For show notes, links, and resources, visit revenuemaze.com. Hats off to all you small businesses out there. I can't wait for the next episode.